Welcome, welcome, welcome back, everybody, to yet another episode of Just Saying Sports. As usual, I am your host, Jake Adnip. Here with me is the great, the one and only Sean Dwyer. How you doing? I hope everybody is doing fantastic this week. Obviously, we have the baseball playoffs going on. Got a whole bunch of different stuff to talk about when it comes to football. A little bit of a rant and rave situation for me later on in the episode. But, I mean, Sean, we just did our MLB preseason show earlier, you know, earlier this week and made our picks. And obviously some of that's already turned away. But all except for my Yankees are looking about right. I mean, how do you feel about your pick so far? Well, I mean, I kind of was very off with the Colorado Rockies taking it a little bit to the Brewers. But other than that, you know, everything's worked out pretty much how I thought it was going to. I didn't think that the Atlanta Braves are going to make a run against the Dodgers. Uh, I did call Houston sweeping Cleveland. And then everything else in the American League worked out pretty much how I thought it was. I thought the Yankees were going to fall to Boston, and they did, which is hard serious. Yeah, I mean, they didn't just fall to Boston. They kind of got whooped. I mean, that's that third game, 16 or whatever, 16 to 1. It was just like, please turn this game off the television. That that was the exact opposite of any type of playoff baseball that I've been talking about over the last few weeks. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, but I mean, obviously very deserving with the Red Sox and the Astros. And then obviously we have the Dodgers and the Brewers. But we'll start off with that NL. Dodgers, Brewers, the Brewers are still surprising you. We go all the way back to our midseason show, and you didn't think the Brewers were even going to make it this far. But they just keep on going. So do you think they're able to ride this, you know, end-of-the-season wave, this October hype? I mean, right now I'm not going to bet against them because I've kind of bet against them every bit of the way, and they've proved me wrong every time. So I wouldn't be too surprised if the Dodgers – uh, fell to the Brewers, but I do think the Dodgers are going to win the series. I think they have a better pitching staff over a seven-game series, and I think that they'll work it out in the end. I think the series goes six or seven. I just think Kershaw coming out, and, and then the Brewers, that they got to stay hot, and that's how they're going to win, and who knows what's going to happen if they can stay that hot. Yeah, it really does lay all on the bats of the Brewers, and it it's going to – I think it might wear a toll on them. I mean – I still think the Dodgers will take it. You know, still going to keep my picks. It's, it's the most, you know, relevant, intact one that I have. Obviously, now I don't even have the Yankees going in. But, you know, with the moving over to the AL, obviously, you know, with the Red Sox taking out the Yankees. And as we talked about, Houston not really having too much trouble with Cleveland. Sets up for a really high-powered series between the two AL powerhouses now. What do you see out of this series, and who do you think has to step up in order for whatever team to win? Well, for me, the key to this series is going to be pitching. You know, both pit teams have pretty good pitching rotations between the Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox. They're both 100-win teams. They had great success in the regular season. I think that the game, the series is going to come down to that pitching. Who can get the most out of their starting pitching over a seven-game series? Is going to be the key, and then whose bullpen can finish games out with a lead. Oh, yeah, that's already proved tough for the Boston Red Sox. Even if you look at just that game four, you know, Craig Kimbrell, normally a shut down, lockdown guy, you're only getting 10 to 12 pitches out of him. 
you know, they basically used up all their options on the Yankees and then had to turn to Kimbrell, and he almost blew it. It's not that he did, but it just tells you how crucial it is to be prepared top to bottom. And like you said with that starting pitcher, if you can get a starting pitcher in the playoffs into the seventh inning, you are doing fantastic. So I definitely think, you know, Houston and Boston are the most intriguing of the two matchups. But I I might see Houston coming out on top of this this big old battle of the bats. Yeah, I think the Houston Astros are going to win this series too. I think Alex Bregman and Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, or just George Springer, good. George Springer. He yeah, he's still he's still <laughs> bombing stuff. Yeah, it's just you never know what's going to happen with that team. They could come out and destroy you so many different ways. And then the National League, like I said, I think the Dodgers are going to win, and I think it's going to set up an Astros-Dodgers part two. Yeah, if we do get that repeat, like I said before, it'll be very interesting to see how it turns out because, you know, rivalries, they, they, they brew pretty quickly nowadays. And I'm not saying that's what it would be, but those interleague games in the coming years can all, you know, mean quite a bit more than, you know, normal, especially after a couple straight World Series. And I, I think we both still would agree that the AL was going to take the World Series and uh, now now would be the Astros. Yeah, I agree. I think the Astros do end up winning the World Series again. I think that they have the best team in baseball, and I've said it from the beginning of the year. I think that they can be the next dynasty. Now, we will have more baseball to talk about, but there's a bunch of other things going on right now. I do want to move in to a little bit of college football with our, my buddy Sean over here. I know he likes to talk about the Spartan Dogs, but after taking another loss to the Northwestern Wildcats, what can you expect out of this Michigan State team playing a top 10 Penn State opponent? I think we're going to be lucky to not go into Penn State and lose by 30. Just the way that we've been playing lately. Um, the defense has given up a lot of yards through the air. Penn State has talented people at wide receiver and at running. And Trace McStorley has proven to be a thorn in our side for a few years now. And so I just think that a lot of it for Michigan State this year is going to be accepting the fact that we're probably going to be a eight and five team or an eight and eight four team. Eight four probably is where I think we're going to end up being eight, even probably worse than that, actually. Be good seven and six. So I don't know. It's going to be a roller coaster ride for me. I don't know what to expect the rest of the way. I mean, the biggest games are ahead of the Spartans. Do you see of any type of change coming out of them? I know the big story this week was how D'Antonio was saying, oh, we need to run the ball 40 times if we want to win. And statistically, he's not wrong. But do you see any type of change coming out of, you know, the locker room in the coming weeks? No, I don't. And that's a little bit frustrating. But at the same time, you understand it's the middle of the season. Um, but just to go back to that real quick, you said statistics support D'Antonio, and they do. But when the when Michigan State reservation Obviously, the stat is when Michigan State runs the ball 40 times, they're 70 and 8 under Mark D'Antonio. That's a lot of wins when you're running the ball 40 times. But you have to look at the circumstances of those 70 to 8 record. Um, a lot of it is running the ball to milk down the clock in games you're ahead. And six, or I think five of those losses came in the, that dreadful 2016 season. Would Michigan State did not run the ball 40 times in 2017 or 18. 
So that leaves you're looking at up until 2015, they were 70 and three or whatever. So that's just a little bit misleading to me because those teams up until 2015 were so much different than the teams that are been playing for the past three years from Michigan State. And I think that it's just their offensive play calling has gotten stale, their style. I mean, you don't see a lot of colleges with the continuity that Michigan State had on the coaching staff. And it is a great thing to have that continuity. But at the same time, when things start to not work the way that they used to, you got to look at changing things up. And I think that's where Michigan State back this offseason is looking for a new offensive coordinator, probably a defensive coordinator while they're at it too, because the whole Big Ten knows Michigan State's defensive system. And that's just really up to Mark D'Antonio. This is his decision to make if he wants to be an average team or if he wants to try and reload and make another run. Awesome. Now, we will table some more college football talk. We haven't done too much of that here on Just Stay in Sport after the season began, but we will have to dive in a little bit once the college football playoff rankings start to come out and we get a little bit deeper into the season. You know, the fall has come upon us quickly and – you know, we're about, what, five weeks into the NFL, we, NFL season, Sean? And uh, I just have one big gripe, and I don't know if you want to join in on this with me, but we I think last week alone we saw four overtime games, um, all of which were in a very, very, very big threat to going to a tie. And we've already seen, I think it was three, tires, three ties prior to um, just this past weekend. And with how closely competitive the NFL is, I do not think that ties should exist, and I don't understand how they haven't come up with a better system to decide who wins games that go into overtime. I mean, Sean, am am I crazy to think that this is, you know, getting annoying at how many games are ending like this? No, I don't. And when you – really look at it, the NFL is the only major sport that really still allows ties. Um, hockey had moved to the shootout to try and break ties instead of having those multiple overtime periods, which I thought was good and bad at the time for the game, but it's worked out fine. Baseball, you play extras, even though you can get into two full games. Um, they're looking at rules to change that to make it faster. The NFL is playing a whole extra quarter, and if the game is still tied, eh, it's a tie. I just don't think that's acceptable from a billion-dollar corporation that where these teams' records matter. So There's only 17 have, games in a season. you got to be able to say there's a winner and a loser. I think that we're just past the point where it's acceptable to have ties in the NFL. Well, and that's the big thing to me is, like you said, with how big this industry is, there's only 16 games in a season. You have two, a tie or two ties on your record. Just because we're not willing to, what, take one more step. I'm not saying to add an entire second overtime period, but you do have to realize that it is not an entire quarter. It's 10 minutes. Oh, and yeah. That, they, they did change that rule recently. Yeah, and it's 10 minutes. And if you ask me, all that does is basically solidify a tie because you guys know the rules. If the f- team who receives school goes down and scores a touchdown in the first possession, the game is over. But if they kick a field goal, the other team has a chance for a possession to come down and kick a field goal. And then it goes until um, the end of the the quarter, you know. Basically, if if they make the field goal, you got to keep going and trying to score until the end, and then afterwards it's done with. But to me, there's so many other ways that you could make an NFL overtime work out than only having one possession for each team 
And if both of them get down and can't score a touchdown, it's a tie. I mean, give them a full quarter. That, that'd be the first step in the right direction. Give them a full 15 minutes. So at least the receiving team gets two shots to score, legitimate shots, not two-minute offense running up and down the field in garbage time trying to make something happen. You know, that's not even interesting football to watch. Or, you know, you could implement where, you know, you do your first overtime in 10 minutes. But what if you mixed in a piece of the college game where, you know, in the second overtime you had them try to score from 25 yards out? Then obviously you'd have to rely on the kickers still if they couldn't score the touchdown. Or the third overtime from 35 yards and 45 yards in the fourth and so on. I mean, I just feel like there's a way that these games could be finished. And I know injury is a big concern. Prolonging these games always just adds so much more risk. But, I mean, these games have to have a definitive outcome. And it's annoyed the crap out of me that there's been so many ties and so many close games that are fantastic games to watch that you don't get a chance to say, hey, my team won, my team lost, this guy, these guys, you know, bested us. No, it's just like, oh, yeah, well, we ran out of time, can't play anymore. Well, I mean, you laid out a pretty good example for keeping both NFL kind of mixed in overtime systems. But I thought the clear answer for many years now has been to just go to the college overtime system. I mean, you look at, I think, even some high schools' rules, that's the overtime system. Is You play, start from the 25, you go in, and whatever happens, happens. I think that the NFL is really – I think college – Overtime is more exciting than NFL overtime, and it's just because of that. There's no time. There's no fixed time on the clock. It's do or die situation. If you have the ball second and you give up a score, I think add some thrill to overtime for me. If you're going to be watching a football game, you're already committed to three hours. If it goes to overtime and there's a possibility of a tie, some people are going to lose interest. That's just how it is. And I think that the NFL has to try and keep those people there. And that's where I really think that the college overtime system could really help. Because it would also, and in theory, it could also be shorter than an NFL overtime, the way it's worked out now. So I think it works out great for the players where it's not going to be as long. The NFL is keeping all the fans interested and engaged in the game. And I think it just works out the best for all parties involved. Yeah, and that's why I said it. Like, I mean, even if you don't want to just, you know, give the NCAA the props of having the better system, like I said, modify it a little bit. In the first overtime, you're from 25. and the second overtime, you're from 35. You know, back it up and add more skill to the game where it's like, oh, now you have to do it. So by the fifth overtime, you can't just keep kicking field goals and stuff's going to happen, you know? Well, so, yeah, and even even in college, you know, there's a, the third overtime. If you score a touchdown, you got to go for two. And I think also that the college should add a rule that we're at, the third overtime, you can't kick any more field goals. You have to go for the touchdown. There's ways to make it work to where you're still going to have the viewing audience, but you're going to keep them more engaged than the way it's working out now. Yeah, and before and after the fact, it's more engagement because I'm telling you, you know, seeing four or five ties or whatever it is be sprinkled throughout the NFL, it's, I mean, it just, it shows me that there's, yeah, it's, it's silly. It doesn't make sense to me. No, me neither. All righty. Well, that is going to do it for our discussion on this episode of Just Saying Sports with Jake and Sean. As always, we like to thank you for listening, coming back, and checking us out. Sorry if 
I'm a bit nasally today. I have recently gotten a little bit stuffed up, a little sick, maybe a little cold or something. So I don't really know what's going on. There's been a weird weather shift up here in Michigan. How's it been down there in Indianapolis, Sean? Uh, up until today, it's been 70s. Yeah, it was uh, about 45 degrees last Friday. And then on Saturday, it was 76, and it's been nice and humid, and it was so foggy last night that you couldn't see more than 20, 20 25 feet in front of your car. So it was, it's definitely been fluctuating. got me a little sick, but appreciate everybody bearing through it with us. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Just Saying Sport. Uh, me at Jake at Nip. Sean is at Dwyer SE3. So make sure you go on social media, give us a follow, a like, a listen, a subscribe on any of your listening platforms. Um, but that will do it for us today. Uh, without further ado, my name is Jake Atnip. I'm Sean DeWire. Thank you for listening, and we will see you on the next episode of Just Saying Sports. <laughs>